I'm Wendy Connolly. This is Mojo for Moms, episode 36, The Upside of Jealousy. Mojo means influence, magic power, and more joy. I'm Wendy Connolly. Welcome to Mojo for Moms. I believe that every kid deserves a confident, mentally fit, and joyful mom, and that you deserve to be her. As a life coach, I've designed this podcast to help you get there. Let's begin. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mojo for Moms. Today we're going to be talking about the upside of jealousy. This is something that came up at a retreat I led this weekend, and I think it's a really helpful way to understand this sometimes puzzling, sometimes troubling emotion. But first, quick shout out to everyone who came to the Creative You Retreat. I loved getting to work so closely with you this weekend on coaching around creativity. To me, there is nothing quite like a live event. So big, huge thanks to everyone who came. It was such an honor to spend the day with you. And we're overdue for a listener spotlight. So today's spotlight is from Maui to Kansas, and she wrote, I'm going to be listening to this podcast over and over again because I am beaten down and the challenge to find 20 things I love about myself is very difficult at this point in time. Wendy's podcasts are uplifting and provide guidance when I need it most. Thanks so much for leaving this review, Maui to Kansas. And I just want to tell you that it's okay to feel beaten down. It's a normal part of the human experience, and I just want to remind you that when we're in the midst of our darkest days, it's sometimes really hard to see beauty um, and especially hard to see the beauty in ourselves. So I want to remind you of a phrase that I use whenever my life feels dark. This too shall pass. There's light up ahead, I promise, and I really hope you do make that list of 20 things you love about you. You must have been referring to the episode about uh, worthiness, but I love this idea. Make a list of 20 things you love about you and mail it to yourself. Put a stamp on it, put it in the mail, because I promise that you are so worthy and beautiful and lovable no matter what you're going through. So I'm sending you a huge hug and thank you. By the way, if you haven't shared Mojo for Moms with your friends yet or left me a review on iTunes, could you do that for me this week? I would be so grateful if you could do that. All you do is go into iTunes where you listen and scroll way down to the very bottom, and that's where you leave a review on your phone. Thanks so much. So today we're talking about jealousy, and this came up during this weekend's retreat as we were talking about creativity, and especially being jealous when we see someone doing something or creating something that calls to us in some way. So what I want to teach today is that there's actually value in jealousy. Now, of course, getting stuck in jealousy can rob us of joy, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. But I'm all about feeling our emotions and getting curious about them. Why did jealousy show up instead of trying to resist them? So I wonder, is there anyone that you feel just a little bit jealous of? I know for me, I often look at people who are in a coaching practice that are 
maybe four or five years ahead of me and they have these thriving coaching programs. And I think, oh, I would love to be doing that. Um, And so I feel a twinge of jealousy there. And I think sometimes the border between jealousy and inspiration, there's a very fine line there. So I'd say I usually feel inspired, but yeah, maybe there's a little twinge of jealousy there. Do you ever get that tinge of jealousy? Do you scroll through Instagram and feel just a wee bit jealous sometimes? Maybe of a friend's vacation or a marriage that appears really vibrant, a couple who seems to still be in honeymoon phase after years of marriage, who call each other pet names on social media. Or maybe you're jealous of another person's close-knit circle of friends or their gorgeous house or the way they look without a lot of effort their weight, their body type. Maybe it's an opportunity that somebody else has. You want to have that job or those talents. So I just want you to think for a moment, what is it for you? I want you to actually try and find something you're jealous of because we're going to look at jealousy in a way that actually might serve us. I know that sounds really radical, okay, but stick with me. A lot of people Think of jealousy as a sin. In fact, if you're familiar with the list of seven deadly sins, which, by the way, was created by humans, it goes back to the Desert Fathers in the 4th century. It's not like there's this list of seven things in scripture. But anyway, one of the seven deadly sins, so-called, is envy or jealousy. And in fact, all of the seven deadly sins are emotions, pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, malice, and sloth. But I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound extremely counter to probably everything you've ever been taught, something I've given a lot of thought to and that ties in with my seminary training, though it's nothing I've been explicitly taught, just something that I've come to believe on my own with a lot of deep reflection and observation. And it's that none of our emotions are sinful not a single one of them. And I want to look at Jesus. For those of you who are Christian, I found this really helpful. There's a quote by G. Walter Hansen, and he writes, Jesus felt compassion. He was angry, indignant, and consumed with zeal. He was troubled, greatly distressed, very sorrowful, depressed, deeply moved, and grieved. He sighed. He wept and sobbed. He groaned. He was in agony. He was surprised and amazed. He rejoiced very greatly and was full of joy. He greatly desired and he loved. So Jesus was allowed to feel this whole spectrum of emotions, right? He was even tempted. And yet he still was without sin. So why is it that we all believe, for some reason, we're all told that our emotions are not okay, that they're sinful, and that we need to avoid them? I heard a sermon recently that was all about anger being a sin and why we needed to get rid of anger in our lives. And I think this is completely wrong. Uh, I think even pride, even lust, even sloth, jealousy, which we'll talk about today, All of these can actually be useful if we learn to understand what emotions are, why we have them, and how they actually have value to us when we get curious about them. 
And I want to talk about what's at stake when we try to avoid our emotions or when we see them as sinful. First of all, if you're one of my clients or you've listened to this podcast for a while now, you know that I teach from the cognitive behavioral model that I call teamwork. So team, T-E-A-M, is an acronym for thoughts, emotions, actions, and manifest. So what I teach is that our thoughts, which are pictures or sentences in our brain, create our emotions. Emotions are just sensations that we feel inside of our body, and they're a response to our thinking, right? They point us to what our thoughts are because our thoughts create them. So our thoughts create the emotions, and then these emotions motivate our actions. The A is for actions or our behaviors, right? So when our kid says, mom, I don't feel like cleaning my room, it's because they don't have an emotion that aligns with wanting to take that action of cleaning their room, right? Okay, so we've got thoughts, which create our emotions, which drive our actions, And then the M stands for manifest. When we take these actions, when we behave in a certain way, then that creates what manifests in our lives and the results that we get. Okay, so I want you to keep this teamwork acronym in mind. All right, now I want to move to the idea of sin. So the Greek word for sin, the word we find in the Bible, is hamartia, which means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. My son loves to do archery. He's really good at it. So he'll set up his target in our yard and uh, in a safe place, and then he'll try and shoot his arrows at it. And actually, he's really good. Most of the arrows hit the mark. But once in a while, there's an arrow that misses. That is sin. That's what it means. But our emotions are always completely on target every time. They don't lie. Instead, they always hit the mark to reveal the truth about our thoughts, about the way that we are interpreting and thinking about our lives. That's why I teach that our emotions are not a sin. So if you look at teamwork, we can have a sin at the T level, at the level of thoughts, which then create those emotions like anger and hatred and jealousy, whatever. So we can have thoughts that miss the mark right? And when I say that our thoughts miss the mark, I'm just, I just mean that our thoughts fall short of the glory of God. We do not see the glory of God in ourselves, and we fail to see the glory of God in other people and in creation. So we have thoughts that in some ways create harm. Now those thoughts create these emotions, But the sin happens at the level of thought, not at the level of emotion. The emotion is just a signal. It's spot on every time, and it just teaches us what that thought is that we need to change or that we need to become aware of. Now, sin can also happen underneath the E at the A level, at the level of our actions, right? We can take actions and behaviors that harm ourselves and that harm other people or the world around us. So sin, missing the mark, can happen at the T or at the A, at the level of thought or at the level of action, but it doesn't happen at the level of our emotions. Our emotions are always on target because they never lie to us. Our emotions don't lie, they enlighten. So I have shared this poem before on this podcast, but 
it uh, undergirds so much of what I teach. And it's a poem called The Guest House by the 13th century Islamic poet Rumi. And I want to share it with you and listen to what he has to say about our emotions because Rumi gets this. He knows that our emotions are not sinful, that in fact they come to teach us. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Welcome and greet whatever emotion comes, says Rumi. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. What? So this seems so counterintuitive, doesn't it? Does he mean that we're supposed to welcome anger and jealousy and resentment and even contempt and hatred? Yes, all of them. Meet them at the door and roll out the welcome mat because, first of all, they're all just sensations in our bodies. That's all emotions are. And they've got something to teach us about our thoughts and about where we need to heal. Let's talk about the harm that is done when we teach that our emotions are sinful. What's the difference between welcoming them and not welcoming them, resisting them? First of all, when we welcome our emotions, it just means that we're willing to be self-aware because our emotions teach us about our thoughts. When we don't welcome our emotions, we're being self-deceiving. When we say, anger, I'm not going to allow you into my life. Jealousy, I'm not going to allow you into my life. I'm not going to feel you because you're bad. Well, then we deceive ourselves. When we don't tap into that, we can't then do a thorough look at our thinking, at what's creating those emotions. When we welcome our emotions, it creates well-being. Literally, our being is well because we are integrating our thoughts and our emotions, our head and our heart. There's integrity within us. When they're not welcome, it creates dis-ease. Instead of being integrated, we disintegrate. And this even disintegrates our health. It creates heart problems, um, bad habits, mental illness, physical illness, all kinds of things when we keep our emotions at bay because we think they're bad. We think they're not allowed. When we welcome our emotions, all of them, especially the negative emotions, we become very empowered because the most empowered people are the ones who are the best at tolerating negative emotions. Courage, for instance, does not feel comfortable. It doesn't feel good but it's very important and empowering to live the life that we're meant to live. Same with embarrassment and failure and uh, just tolerating any of those emotions that it requires to show up in life. If we can tolerate them, we will show up in our lives. If we're threatened by them and we don't welcome them, then we'll play very, very small. And when we welcome our emotions, here's what actually happens in our bodies. Those negative emotions, they show up, but then they flow and our bodies naturally know what to do with them. When we allow them, they don't get stuck. And so our bodies just process them and then quickly return to homeostasis. When we don't welcome them, when we push them away because we think they're sinful, 
then what actually happens is that emotions that we resist persist. They get stuck, they swell, they snowball, and this creates disorder. So do you see what's at stake here and why it's so important not to think of our emotions as sins? The solution to our emotional problems is just allowing our emotions and feeling them without resistance. It sounds so simple in theory, but we have been so conditioned and trained not to feel them, that they're sinful, that allowing our emotions takes a lot of practice and work. It is a radical act to simply allow our emotions to be felt and to flow through our bodies. I call this emotional flow. Remember Newton's first law, an object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. So our emotions are just energy in motion that want to stay in motion. And when they're unimpeded, when we don't block them, our emotions never fail to move through our bodies and depart as soon as possible. So how do we practice emotional flow? How do we allow jealousy? Number one, we just name the emotion. This is jealousy. Number two, we locate it and we describe the bodily sensation of it. So I often feel jealousy um, around my chest area. And sometimes I might feel my face getting a little bit hot or kind of a like a rising and sinking feeling all together at once. So just pay attention to how it feels and describe it in your body. And then the third step is just to allow it, give it your attention, focus on that part of your body, breathe into it. And you can just say, this is jealousy. This is just jealousy, jealousy. You have something to teach me. So I'm going to get curious about you and I'm just going to allow you to be here. So important because I believe that the problem of disconnecting from our emotions, literally splitting our minds and bodies by trying not to feel them is at the heart of the mental health crisis we see all around us today in ourselves and in our children. We just don't know what to do with our emotions. No one has ever taught us. So instead of thinking of our emotions as something scary and sinful that we need to run away from, I really want us to shift our perspective, our cultural perspective, and begin to see our emotions as professors. Each has been sent as a guide from beyond, writes Rumi. I've also read this quote before by Glennon Doyle Melton, but she said, pain is a traveling professor, and the smartest people I know are the people who say, come in and just don't leave until you've taught me what I need to know. I want to substitute that with jealousy. Jealousy is a traveling professor. And the smartest people I know are the people who say, come in and just don't leave until you've taught me what I need to know. Pretend that your jealousy is your professor. It shows up at the doorway of your mind only to teach you where there is still healing to do or thinking to change or perhaps something in your life that you are meant to pursue. Because in the case of jealousy, it has a special function. It can point us toward our joy. I think the reason that we often feel jealousy near our heart in the solar plexus area is because it's so tied to our heart. What we're jealous of points us toward our heart's desires, towards our destiny, towards things that could benefit us and lead us to living a more authentic life. So if you're jealous of someone's travels, pay attention. Your heart may be telling you not that you need to take that exotic trip, but that you're craving some freedom 
or time away with the people you love or some time away from the people you love to be alone. But give that jealousy your attention. If you're jealous of another person's career, what is it that you're so drawn to that is in some way missing from your life that perhaps you could explore more deeply? If you're jealous of someone's friendships or a romantic relationship, is it time to move toward healthier relationships in your own life or to give more attention to a relationship that you already have that just needs a little more love? Emotions are always on target and trustworthy because they teach us about our thoughts. Emotions don't lie, they enlighten. And this is so true for jealousy as well. We can harness its wisdom and ask what needs to heal or what thinking needs to change, or what it is that would bring us to life. And when we do this work of healing and change thinking, Professor Jealousy doesn't need to hang around anymore. And so we can thank her for her wisdom, for coming to visit us, and send her off on her way as we embrace a fuller and more authentic, courageous, joyful life. And when we finally learned her lessons and this emotional alchemy happens, guess who comes to visit us next? Professor Inspiration. All right, you guys, that's it for this week. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. And again, if you can leave me a review, I would be so grateful. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. If you want free tools to implement the ideas from today, visit my website at mojoformoms.com. It's custom designed to help you on your path to well-being. If you want to stay up to date on all the latest episodes of this podcast, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast app, the one already on your phone, then subscribe and help me out with a review and rating. As always, thanks for sharing your favorite episodes with friends. Until next week, I'm Wendy Connolly, and you've been listening to Mojo for Moms. 